turbulent times call for clear-headed insight. That's hard to come by these days, especially on TV. That's where we come in. Salem News Channel has the greatest collection of conservative minds all in one place. People you know and trust, like Dennis Prager, Eric Metaxas, Charlie Kirk, and more. Unfiltered, unapologetic truth. Find what you're searching for at snc.tv and on Local Now Channel 525. How bad does it have to get before we will simply submit to the will of God in our lives? Welcome to Core Truth Radio, a radio ministry of Core Church Los Angeles with pastor and Bible teacher Steve Wilburn. Pastor Steve will be teaching us God's truth right from the Bible with lessons that we may not want to hear, but we need to hear. Let's jump right in today's study. We're going to find our text in the book of Jonah. And I entitled this message, No Regrets. What happens to you when hardships arise? What do you do when the storms of life kick in? Do you try everything in your power first? Oh, I I got this. I can figure this out. I can manipulate this. I can shift these funds over here. We can put that on the credit card. We can move this and move that. What do you do? Do you do everything in your power first? And only when everything that you have tried has completely, hopelessly failed, when nobody else has come through for you as you've shared your plight and dilemma with all your family members and no one's trying to help you, is that when you finally do what you should have done in the first place? Call out to the Lord in prayer. Oh, God, help me. God, I I don't know what I'm going to do here. See, that's what we should always do. There should be a fervency in our prayers. There should be like, oh God, move, do something here. Yes, only the God of the Bible is real and only that God can deliver. Deliverance cannot happen in any other way. But getting back to Jonah, I wonder if any of us like Jonah are sleeping while the storm in our world is raging all around us. Do we not have problems in our world? Is it not raging? If we as Christians are a little concerned about some of the radical things that are happening in our world, what does a non-believer do in these times? Again, this is why it's so critical for us to be open to be that voice of reason. Yet maybe you, like Jonah, are running from being the voice of reason that God has called you to be. To be that person that stands in the gap to minister to the people in your walk of life. Yes, everybody is caught up in this current storm that we're facing. No one is exempt from this. We're all facing the same issues. Your family members are, your neighbors are, all your coworkers are. Something to think about. Jonah, though, the storm does not let up. So he tells the people, hey, listen, you need to throw me overboard, and, and then this way, you know, the storm will stop. And they looked at Jonah and he said, that is completely inhumane. We're not going to do that. So they went back to fighting the storm and getting rid of the cargo on the ship, trying to save themselves. And after a while, nothing was working. So verse 15 happened in chapter one. So they went back to Jonah. They picked up Jonah and they threw him into the sea. 
And immediately the sea stopped its raging. So they had, these seasoned sailors had two words for Jonah. See ya. You're out of here, pal. Skin for skin, a man will give anything for his own life. And that's what they did. You're the problem. We're getting rid of you. So they gave Jonah, you could say, the royal flush. And the storm stopped immediately. They're like, man, washing our hands of that guy. Which brings up our point, the misery. Yes, misery was coming. Jonah was probably thinking, my life cannot get any worse than this. Could you imagine being in the middle of the ocean and they toss you overboard? You're just sitting there trying to float. You're dog paddling there and the ship is sailing away. You're thinking, man, my life cannot get any worse than this. I am stranded in the middle of the ocean. Well, listen, if you ever think that your life can't get worse, ho, 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 ho. It can always get worse. You might think right now, I'm at the bottom of the barrel. Pastor, you don't know what I'm going through right now. My life cannot get any worse. Oh, trust me, your life could get much worse. And so it is for Jonah. All of a sudden, he gets swallowed by a giant fish. So could you imagine you're sitting there, what's the last thing you're thinking? All of a sudden, you look over and there's his mouth just... I mean, you get ate by a fish. I mean, it's like, this is insane. I hate days like this. <sighs> Some might be thinking, what kind of a fairy tale is this? You know, this is why I am not a Christian. You got all these little hocus pokies, fairy tale stories, you know, pixie dust and whatever. Like, I'm sure a giant fish swallows him. Uh, yes, that's exactly what happened. See, this is a real story. Jonah was a prophet of God. He's mentioned in 2 Kings 14. But even more importantly, Jesus Christ confirms this very story in Matthew 12. He says, I am going to die. I'm going to be in the belly of the earth for three days and three nights like Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights, and then I'll rise again. He used this to actually tell us what was going to happen in the future with him as he would die and rise again from the dead. Yes, this story happened. Understand, know this, grab onto this. The miracle is not that a giant fish swallowed Jonah. That's not the miracle. If God put the ring around Saturn, if the earth is, you know, in an orbit around the sun at 520 million miles traveling at 1,000 miles per second, do you really think it's hard for God to make a giant fish? I mean, he made the giraffe. He made a rhino. I mean, he made a orangutan. I mean, it's like, you know, he made a giant fish. Now, it could have been a whale because it's a mammal. You know, he could have, he could have been, you know, it could have been a whale because that's happened before. John Bartlett, in the 1800s, he was swallowed by a well. He was out there, they were hunting wells, and he fell off the boat. The well swallowed him. They actually got the well. They brought the well up on board. They cut it open, and there he was. And, you know, and he was pitch white because the stomach acids in the well, because a well is a mammal just like us, and it ate away all of his hair on his body, and it turned him pitch white. And so, like, this has actually happened in life before. So it happened. So the miracle is not that there was a giant fish, whether it be a whale or God just made this special fish just to swallow this renegade prophet. That's not the miracle. The miracle is how in the world could Jonah, a child of God, how could he run from God's calling? That's the miracle. How could you do this? Now imagine Jonah 
sliding around in the belly of the fish. It's a cesspool of disgust. He's completely covered with seaweed, stomach acid. And finally, after three days and three nights, he finally cries out to God. Did you get that? After three days and three nights. That's exactly what Jesus said. Yeah, he was in it for three days and three nights. If you're ever in the ocean as a believer and you get swallowed by a giant fish, do yourself a favor. Don't wait to cry out to God for three days and three nights, okay? I'm thinking if that was me, it would be like uh, 1,001. God, help me, I'm in the fish, okay? I just got eight, okay? I'm praying that second. And before the fish closes his mouth, I've already said 16 prayers, okay? It's like, Lord, deliver me. But no, he's in there. He's stubborn. It's like, I don't want to be here. I don't, I, I'm not going to Nineveh. Oh, you poor baby. Let's read what happens here in Jonah chapter 2, verse 5. Water encompassed me to the point of death. The great deep engulfed me. Weeds, weeds was wrapped around my head. And while I was fainting away, I'm getting ready to die. I remembered the Lord. Oh, it took you that long? And my prayer came to thee into your holy temple. Oh, yeah. Finally, as Jonah's ready to die, he comes to his senses. He's completely dehydrated. His skin is probably, again, bleached white, you know, from the stomach acids. His hair is all eaten away. And Jonah cries out. And the Bible says in chapter 2, verse 10, Oh, you're repenting. Good. Then the Lord commanded the fish, and it vomited him, Jonah, up onto the dry land. God, I'm sorry. Oh, my goodness. Jonah was ejected. He was spewed. He was thrown up. He was disgorged. He was regurgitated. You get the point. Okay. I wonder how bad does it have to get? How bad does it have to get before we will simply submit to the will of God in our lives? Does it take this for us? Let's not miss this one point. The entire time Jonah was in this dungeon of despair in the belly of this fish, the fish was swimming to Nineveh. See, he was in the opposite direction. He was going the opposite direction. Who knows how long they were in that storm? We're not told. Could have been a long time. So they were way off course. But he's in this fish for three days and three nights, and the fish is swimming towards Nineveh, the very place of God's original call. For in the midst of Jonah's misery, God was still working his will in Jonah's life. God was working in the wind of the storm. God was working in the wind. He was working in the waves. He was working in the fish as they all obeyed the command of the Lord. If only you and me were as obedient as the wind, the waves, and the fish. If only we were that obedient. Let me ask you, are you in the midst of a hardship? Are you in the midst of some trial in your life like right now? There's just things that are happening that it's coming down on you on every side. I wonder if God is trying to speak to you. 
Yet I wonder if you have ears to hear him. Do you have a heart to receive what he's saying? Or are you just frustrated at God? I can't believe this is happening. can't believe this is happening to me. Lamentations 3.39 says, Why should any living mortal or any man or woman offer complaint in view of your own sins? I don't like how you're treating me, God. I don't know. I don't like what's going on right now. I don't like this whole program. I don't like my life right now. I'm sick of everything. It's like, who are you, oh man? Who are you, woman, to shake your fist at God in view of your own sin? That's why he goes on to say, He says, let us examine and probe our ways and let us return to the Lord. Let us examine, scrutinize your own life. Who are we to be shaking our fists at God? Oh, yeah? Why are you doing this to me? I'm not going to go to church anymore. I'm I'm not going to open my mouth. I'm going to go off on my own. Okay, that's going to make things better. Yes, if we were honest before the Lord, how many of us could really pray this prayer that he gives us in Lamentations 1.20 where he says, See, O Lord, I'm in distress. My spirit is greatly troubled. My heart is overturned within me. Why? For I have been very rebellious. Hmm. That might have a lot to do with it. Some might say, you know, Pastor, that kind of does sound like me. I have failed so many times. I have not put Jesus first in my life so many times. I've only lived for me and just what I think could better me and what I wanted in my life. You might say here today, you know, I have rebelled against God. Well, fortunately for you and for me, God loves us. God, he loves us. Oh my goodness, he loves us in spite of us. Thank Jesus for Jesus. It's like he loves us in spite of us. That's why we have verses like this in Lamentations 3.21. It says, this I recall to my mind, and therefore I have hope. The Lord's loving kindness indeed never ceases. His compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Oh, my goodness. Great is thy faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. And therefore, I have hope in him. The Lord is good to those who wait for him, for the person who seeks him. Oh, his loving kindness is new every morning. Oh, man, when we mess up one day, we can wake up the next day. His loving kindness is new every morning. His compassions never fail. Yes, only in our maker can we draw a renewed strength with vision every day? Every day. Forgetting our past while we look forward to God's grace shining upon us. Forgetting those failures. Forgetting where you have fallen down. Forgetting those times looking forward. Now let's look at Jonah chapter 3 verse 1. Now, He gets barfed up on the beach, right? So he's on the beach. (gasps) Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, the great city, and proclaim to it the proclamation which I am going to tell you. Notice the call comes a second time to Jonah, right? It comes a second time. Does the call change? No. It's the same call. It's the same call. It's like, 
get up and go to Nineveh like I told you the first time. It's the same call. God doesn't change his mind. It's the same call. But isn't it awesome that God gives us a second chance, a third chance, a 15th chance, a 200th chance? God is a God of second chances. Which brings up our final point, Jonah's message. Here's his message, picking up in chapter 3, verse 4. Then Jonah began to go through the city one day's walk. It's a big city. And he cried out, and what did he say? Forty days, and Nineveh will be overthrown. Then the people of Nineveh, they believed in God. And they called a fast, and they put on sackcloth from the greatest to the least of them. And when the word reached the king of Nineveh, he arose from his throne, laid down his robe from him, covered himself with sackcloth, and he put on ashes. This is a sign of great repentance. What would you do? Someone saw this guy get barfed onto the beach from a giant fish. And here's this guy comes rolling out. He's pitch white. He has no hair in his body. Everything's ate off of him. And he's walking through 40 days in your toast. It's like, yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Jonah didn't mix his words, did he? His message was direct. And it was actually filled with total wrath. 40 days, you're all going to get roasted. Turn or burn, baby. You're all going down. And the people did exactly what Jonah was afraid of. They repented of their sin. Jonah's message was given in, in total reluctance. His message was filled with wrath. His message was filled with prejudice. He was a bigot and possibly totally filled with hate. Hey, Jonah, got a question for you. Where's the love? Where's the love? All these people saw was this barfed on the beach guy, you know, and, and, and he's preaching judgment. Let none of us do what Jonah did. Let none of us proclaim the love of our great God in that fashion like he did. When we share the gospel, it needs to be shared with love. Romans 2, 4 says, it's the kindness of God is what leads a man or a woman to repentance. And when the people of Nineveh, when they repented of their sin, God did for them what he still does today to everyone that we would share with, no matter how brutal or bad that person is, he forgave them. He relented his judgment in their life. Yet what did Jonah do? Well, let's read in chapter 4, verse 1. Here's Jonah's reaction. But it greatly displeased Jonah. You're going to forgive these dogs? I live my whole life serving you. These guys are ready to be thrown into the pit of hell. And you're going to forgive them? Oh, it totally greatly displeased Jonah. And he became angry. I knew it if I came here. I knew you, God. I knew you were full of love and mercy and compassion. I knew it. I knew it. This is why I didn't want to come. Verse 3 says, and he said, take my life. Just kill me. I can't take it. Your love and your mercy, I'm done with it. I wonder what we can learn from this book. Because not only is the book of Jonah, it's a book about God's great mercy and love for a wicked world, just like ours. But it's also a message to a man who had a really hardened heart inside. 
that was filled with prejudice, rage, and hate towards people. I wonder if we are not just as guilty as Jonah when it comes to forgiving those who have hurt us, those who have caused real pain in our life, those who have kicked us to the curb. Oh, yeah, you have one day... God's going to roast you. you mean, you're, one day you're going to slip on a banana peel and end up in hell, you dog. See, because we hate these people because they hurt us. I wonder why we don't have a deep urgency as Christians to share with everybody in this world that judgment is coming. Well, the work in Nineveh was, well, complete. The whole city <laughs> repents from the king all the way down. But the work in Jonah, it was just beginning. For God not only cares about the work in reaching the lost, but he also cares about the workers that are reaching the lost. So God reasons with Jonah in chapter 4. Verse 4, And the Lord said, Jonah, do you have good reason to be angry? Like, why are you so angry inside? You ever get those people that are just, they're just raging. It's like, it's like what, what triggered all this? Then Jonah went out from the city. He's in a huff. He didn't even respond to God there. No response. And he sat east of it. There he made a shelter for himself, and he sat under it in the shade until he could see what would happen in the city. He's still hoping God's going to roast him. Okay, I still have hope, God. Yeah, then you're just going to be fired on from heaven. Just roast them all. Verse 6, so the Lord God appointed a plant and it grew up over Jonah to be a shade over his head to deliver him from his discomfort. And Jonah was extremely happy about the plant. But then God appointed a worm. And when the dawn came the next day, it attacked the plant and it withered. And it came about when the sun came up that God appointed a scorching east wind. And the sun beat down on Jonah's head so that he became faint. And he begged with with all of his soul to die, saying, death is better for me than life. Wow, you're just like, this guy, what a piece of work. I mean, this is crazy. I wonder how many times the little discomforts in our life are not divine interventions to get our attention. Like, I can't believe this happened. God, another parking ticket. Oh, you know, this, that, whatever, all these little things. Maybe it's divine interventions to get our attention. God was trying to get Jonah to see that he was far more concerned about this stupid plant that gave him shade than he was about the Bible says here that 120,000 people repented on that day. It's the biggest known revival that has ever happened in the course of human history. Billy Graham never seen those kind of numbers. Greg Laurie's never seen them in stadiums filled with people. 120,000 people repenting in one day. He's more concerned about the plant than all these people that escaped eternal judgment from God. As we end here today, what concerns you the most in life? All of those things pale in the light of one human life, a life that can be forgiven, a life that can escape eternal judgment, a life that can find hope. What can we learn from the story of Jonah as we end here today? Well, I'm sure we can learn many things. We already have learned many things, but here's three observations. Number one, Jonah was sleeping on the boat when he should have been awake and praying during the storm. 
There's a storm that's happening all around us in our world today. Things are broken and falling apart. Are we asleep when we should be awake and praying? Number two, Jonah was pouting in the belly of the fish. (sighs) Are you pouting? Are you like bummed because something's not working out the way that you wanted it to work out? Jonah was pouting when he should have been repenting. Number three, Jonah was bitter in the end when he should have been rejoicing. Maybe you're bitter because you live here in the end times and everything's falling apart. Like, why couldn't I have been born a hundred years ago? You should be rejoicing that God allowed you to be alive at the end of time, that you could have a voice of reason in a world that's lost its mind. How does this apply to us? As our gracious Savior has allowed us to live another day that we can tell people that there's a God in heaven that loves you. Thanks for joining us for Core Truth Radio. You've been listening to pastor and Bible teacher Steve Wilburn of Core Church Los Angeles. If you'd like to hear more messages by Pastor Steve, download the Core Church Los Angeles free app available on iOS and Android. Core Truth is sponsored by and a listener-supported outreach of Core Church LA. If you have been blessed by this program, consider supporting our radio ministry by texting Core Church LA, that's Core Church LA, one word, to 77977. You can also give via our app or online at corechurchla.org, as well as writing to our P.O. Box 34789 Los Angeles, California 90034. 